This is Right Now at AWS, the podcast series that surfaces patterns, best practices, and successful solutions across every imaginable industry. I'm your host, Katie Daftis. Today, we're exploring Gen AI with an industry lens focusing on automotive. What are clear-cut use cases and moonshot goals in the auto industry? And how can companies stop talking and get started on their Gen AI journey? Danny Smith is here to provide insights. Danny is a principal AI ML strategist dedicated to helping AWS customers understand, explore, and launch AI projects. Danny, thank you for sitting down. Yeah, happy to be here. Always good to talk with you. So, Danny, you have a very cool charter, which is talking to interested decision makers about how AI can improve their business and then helping make it happen. So with that, I'm curious, what are you seeing and hearing about Gen AI in auto? Well, you know, the automotive industry has a lot of uh, interest in Gen AI. And I mean, you know, from top to bottom, left to right. So OEMs, as well as the tier base. Um, you know, every function within an automotive company, supply chain, sales, manufacturing, you know, engineering, et cetera, um, from the boardroom all the way down to the production line or even the dealer floor. Um, and what I'll say is, um, you know, the auto industry has some pretty deep pockets in machine learning expertise. So all this, auto- uh, you know, autonomous vehicles, ADAS, like advanced driver assist, right? There are groups that have deep dive on these technologies or, 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 you know, built expertise for years. Um, but interestingly, the interest in Gen AI is like across the rest of the functions is, is really high, right? And so what we've seen with our customers is there's a lot of early experimentation that happened and um, some experiments with public options. And so pun intended, they had some of those companies putting on the brakes there were questions around like how do we protect trade secrets? You know, how do we protect intellectual property? Things like that. And you know, these questions are valid, right? That you know, there's proprietary data. You know, is where the money is, right? And so we saw early on some very common trends around customers trying to figure out how to take advantage of their proprietary data, but not like let it into the wild. So common architecture patterns emerge. There's something called retrieval augmented generation. This is you know, uh, kind of what's behind most chatbots, right? There's an agent mechanism that you ask a question and then it'll go look for some good information in a company's documents and then, um, you know, give it to large language models so that the large language model can answer uh, accurately, right? And so definitely early learning in those patterns as well as others. uh, And, you know, and then other learnings too, right? So, you know, maybe we look at how these things work internally before we roll out the customer-facing applications. There's there's a strong interest in customer-facing applications, but definitely some early learnings, building up that uh, organizational muscle. So all of this stuff is going on. You know, the technology has only been out for a year or so. And uh, so uh, the industry definitely embracing learning, uh, but also being a little conservative, like uh, we always are in terms of, you know, learning internally first before we go external. Yeah, that all makes a lot of sense, because as you rightly point out, there is such a strong AI function within auto companies that they do have a unique position where they can turn to, you know, subject matter experts within their own house and say, hey, what do you think of this? How should we be applying this? And that is a definite, I think, advantage over some other industries. Yet again, when you have an industry that has such a responsibility to consumers, you have to be 
absolutely sure that application is going to work and work well and be safe. So a lot of interesting considerations in the auto industry, for sure. Um, I think what we really always have to touch upon, too, is the excitement. The excitement is just is so palpable, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it definitely. And look, auto is always safety first, safety centric, right? I mean, to your, to your point, there's a very high bar. But if you look at these companies, they're like, hey, you know, we can serve our customers better, make it safer. And safety, uh, especially around ADAS, right, the, you know, driver assist systems, it's a big deal, right? And and so we can dive down into that if you want. Yeah, well, I think maybe going forward, we can frame our conversation a little bit to just to help, you know, kind of keep the mental model clear. Um, frame the conversation by talking about internal use cases and then customer-facing use cases. So how can Gen AI improve internal processes for greater productivity and agility? And then how can Gen AI improve end customer experiences? So first up, internal use cases. And then the auto industry, disruption is key and the technology transformation that's happening is now accelerating. So how can Gen AI support these foundational changes? Yeah, lots of lots of different ways, right? And, and so some of them may blur the lines between internal and customer. So we'll <laughs> uh, so let, let's go down the path and see where we end up, right? So so I mentioned these, you know, advanced driver assist, uh, these ADAS teams. So they are a lot of these teams, like across many different um, OEMs as well as tier base. They're looking at Gen AI as a way to create synthetic data, um, and and the reason is is because traditional machine learning that's used in, in computer vision systems, it needs examples, right? It needs training data. And sometimes we don't have the training data that is an unusual case, right? And so from a safety standpoint of autonomous vehicles, like these like edge scenes or unusual scenes, they're hard to acquire. And so, you know, creating unusual scenes with Gen AI, that's a hot topic in auto generating sensor data. So like, say you sent out a car to record an environment and it was recording 17 out of the 35 sensors available, but you want the rest of the sensor group. Um, there are ways Gen AI can help you generate the sensor data synthetically uh, without having to go re-record everything out in the field. So there's a lot of, lot of cool capabilities around Gen AI within um, ADAS in particular. But this goes across the board, like in manufacturing, helping people on the shop floor. Like there's a lot of equipment on the line uh, that needs to stay up and running, right? And so Gen AI can help maintenance engineers speed up time to diagnose because the line is how you make money, right? And if the line's not working, you're not making money. Um, there's also other things like how do we train new people to, to work in assembly, right? There's you know, 20% attrition on the line with workers and, you know, how do you ramp them up? Uh, because, you know, this this new generation not interested in reading thousand page manuals. So there's all this kind of functionality. But if you think about like speeding time to value, right, it can absolutely go beyond manufacturing lines. Let's talk about the dealer, right? At the dealer, the repair technician, I have a personal story, right? My daughter who is graduated from college now, but she was in high school. Her car broke down on the way to a final exam. Of course, you know, being me, I went over, stuck the device in the CAN bus, started reading fault codes, P11, P12, P16. I don't know what that stuff is, 
right? Wouldn't it be cool if I could just ask questions in a natural way? So, hey, what do these fault codes have in common? Oh, well, maybe it's variable camshaft timing, right? Great answer. Tell me more. And so if you think about speeding up the repair technician in the dealership, the end customer, the consumer, person like me, I get my working car back and that's all I care about. So all kind of interesting internal uses across different groups. Of course, there's go to market too. So there's a big push in generative, um, what I call generative marketing. So as an example, all of these um, OEMs have a massive library of pictures of cars and different scenes and stuff. And um, what's really cool is you can take an existing picture, use Gen AI image generation to then say, hey, I want, um, you know, I want this car instead of being blue, I want it to be orange and I want it to have a beach scene on the back. And all of a sudden we have a highly, highly targeted, specialized image that's going to work well in the market that's interested, right? Yeah. So just to recap, we talked about ADAS and synthetic driving scenes for model training, a shop floor, I guess onboarding, right? Onboarding your employees so that they're more effective and then also can more quickly diagnose problems so that your line keeps running. Uh, We talked about a service repair technician and generative AI marketing. So quickly help marketing teams create and produce the content that they need. You know, talking about these use cases, they're so varied. I almost can't think of another technology that is so versatile, that can touch so many parts of a single business. That's why everybody's so excited about it, right? It's because every, you know, every person who looks at it goes, you know, I could see how this could help me, right? Uh, it, it, is, it, it is the most powerful capability to democratize machine learning that I've ever seen. The interest and the capability is real. So uh, that's a rare combination in, in the world of technology. <laughs> It really is just incredible. The only thing lacking is probably one's imagination and how it can be applied, right? So that that blank space, it's exciting. Anyway, we talked about internal, external use cases and how those lines can blur. But what are some ways that Gen AI can improve customer experiences and products? If we think about like the whole customer journey, buying a car, you know, maintaining and servicing a car, um, transitioning to the next car. That's a powerful journey that in many cases like starts at like a, a like an OEM's website, right? And I always call the OEM's website like the top of the sales funnel. And the purpose of the OEM's website is to get you interested in a car. And then the bottom, you know, like the bottom of the funnel is let's go make sure that you can go buy a car, right? Look, OEMs spend like what, $2 billion a year on their website, <laughs> Right, getting you know, getting customers interested. But if you think about this technology, right, Gen AI can help with better, more consistent customer co- communications along the whole level. So, he, so here's one um, topic that's very top of mind for traditional OEMs. Right now, the whole industry is on a transition from uh, internal combustion engine vehicles to electric vehicles. There's a lot of training departments. There's a lot of, um, you know, the deal, the groups at the OEMs that deal with the dealers. There's a lot of thought around how do we make sure that we have consistent, approved communications to advise customers around, you know, IC versus electric, because this transition is going to go on for a number of years, right? And so if you think about like having consistent communication, so there's somebody on the dealer floor. 
right? And then there's maybe call center people who, who interact. And, you know, there's all, you know, other, all the other people who interact. This is a great way to kind of have guided coaching conversations. Um, but it extends like, you know, along the customer journey, it's like captive finance arms, right? Uh, you know, so, um, you know, customer always say, well, you know, tell me about, tell me about leasing versus, versus buying, right? And they get guidance, you know, in a natural way with Gen AI. And then, you know, there's the captive finance, uh, finance arms themselves are like, well, you know, let me smooth the whole process of, uh, you know, engaging with either a loan or a lease, right? Um, there's the guided configuration, right? So right now there's, you know, traditional configuration. You kind of march down the path, you build it. But maybe you can imagine as an example, some of our customers are imagining this now, right? They're rethinking the whole process. Um, hey, what's important to you in a vehicle? Right. Tell me about your family and things like that. And then then they get prescriptive guidance on a configuration, you know, vehicle and a configuration that makes sense. So there's all kind of interesting stuff around customer journey. Um, and that's just getting you to buy the car. Right. But think about once you own the car. Right. So we've been on a transition for years of these cars becoming like entertainment platforms, becoming play, you know, like a, more than just a transportation, but an everyday part of life. Imagine like a smart in vehicle assistant. Right. And so there's the natural language kind of communication. But there's also like, you know, what do I mean by smart, right? Connected to telemetry of the car, understands the VIN, the configuration, understands the driver, understands the patterns of the driver, what dealer they like to take it to. And so if, as an example, we get fault codes coming off the uh, powertrain, like my daughter's car, maybe the message in vehicle, right, whether through it's the console or whether it's through like a, you know, a mobile app is, you know, hey, uh, we've got these fault codes that probably means you're going to have a variable camshaft timing issue. I see that there is, you know, your favorite dealer um, has an opening on Tuesday. Would you like me to schedule this so we can get this fixed? So we've been talking about that kind of thing for, you know, a decade or more within the auto industry. But now we actually have something that can contextualize all that different information and then have a natural way to, to communicate with with the driver or the passenger. So huge customer facing opportunities. That's really exciting. And just having that as a goal for so long and then finally having line of sight on how to execute on that. It's just a very cool time. Yeah. And you, and you've got all the OEMs marching down that path. Right. And um, you know, and then beyond the OEMs too. Right. So it's uh, you know, like you said, it's maybe the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you know, for something that's really impactful and meaningful to, to, the, to the customer experience. So with all of that, are there any best practices for organizing or preparing to explore Gen AI? Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. Um, you know, I encourage um, all of um, my customers to kind of build an AI mindset. Right. And so this is like, you know, line of business. Right. It's like, you know, leaders need to constantly ask, hey, can AI, you know, whether it's Gen AI or not, right, but can, the, can these technologies help me with my problem? You know, just start thinking about that and, and encourage the whole organization to think about that. So to do this, you kind of need to 
educate the education about how these things work, right? And, you know, I encourage people to set up playgrounds where anybody in the company can kind of safely and securely test out the technology, right? Learn how it works. But then, you know, it's also like, once you get your hands on some of this stuff, even playing in a playing around in a playground, then you're like, oh, wow, the, you know, innovation, the light bulb goes off and, and you just kind of rapidly accelerate to massive amounts of use cases. Um, hey, budget for innovation, right? Set up those playgrounds, but learn by doing, right? You need to have organizational muscle to kind of take advantage of these technologies. And so what I see is like the OEMs are doubling down on this and the tier base is a little bit slower, but they're rapidly accelerating. Um, you know, there's nothing like, you know, having your big OEM customers say, yeah, what are you guys doing in Gen AI? And then tier base is like, um, oh, we're doing a lot. Quick, go do something. <laughs> so my advice, right, is, you know, go go get hands-on, launch some pilots, think minimum lovable product, not your know, prototype, but think about something you can put into production, go put it in production, repeat, uh, and, you know, kick off that rapid acceleration of innovation. And, uh, you know, we can, you know, we can help you, you know, if you need help through a number of mechanisms. Yeah. And maybe we should just point out too, minimum lovable product is very well known within Amazon, but maybe we should just explain too that that is a product or feature that has some kind of core element that you know customers are going to fall in love with once you bring it to market. Exactly. As opposed to a minimum viable product, you know, it gives you that, the idea of like, okay, bring something to market that's just barely able to (laughs) exist and see what it does. Yeah, exactly. So the next thing, going to put your feet to the fire here. Let's look ahead. What do you predict will happen with Gen AI and auto in the next year? Um, what I see is I think you'll see an explosion of Gen AI use cases in auto, right? And because everybody's experimenting and learning and they're rapidly moving towards some really cool minimum lovable product production use cases, and it's going to accelerate even more. People people have got the passion, and so now they're going for it, right? Um, I think another use case that we're going to hear a lot more about soon is generative design, right? So this is how do you speed up the development of the car or an update of the car, right? It's slow, it's complex, and Gen AI technology can, can help across the board, right? It's like early iterations, as an example, are maybe, maybe we ask Gen AI to generate 10 or 20 different styling iterations, like take the base model and then, you know, tweak it for certain, you know, prompts, right? Like, uh, and, and then, you know, so you can rapidly generate 10 or 20 of those. And then, then you combine that with traditional technology, like simulation technology, you know, run it through these computational fluid dynamics to test out airflow and understand drag coefficients and stuff and say, okay, this design looks great, but it also is terrible for airflow. So maybe we just scratch that design. Then they can, you know, they can use a combination of those technologies to rapidly go through like a lot of different examples and it just accelerates the whole process. Um, you'll see not as not as visually appealing as, you know, rapidly generate new styles, but you'll see Gen AI for tech, uh, excuse me, tech debt reduction. So coding generation assistance is super popular right now. If you haven't tried it, like things like our product, Code Whisper, you have to try this, right? You know, internally, we saw a 50% increase in speed of development, no drop in quality. Um, 
But if you think about like new generations coming into automotive, you know, in order to modernize code, right, you know, they kind of have to understand what the old code does. And we've seen some interesting um, development or, uh, you know, progress in this area, right? So what we found is our, some of the learnings are definitely with typical IT, work, you know, works great. But you can also take things like, you know, explain what this ladder logic code is for PLC or, right, if that's on the line. But you can also take like this embedded language code and say for in-vehicle, right, and say, hey, what does this do, right? And it gives pretty good answers. And so you can accelerate. Um, you know, modernizing some of the old code out there. And like I had a CIO uh, of an auto company tell me, it's like, I got 10 million lines of COBOL code. And uh, I went to Japan um, uh, last week, two weeks ago, and met uh, with several customers in Tokyo. And one of them said, 10 million, I've got 30 million, right? So, you know, so there's a lot of, wow. lot of, lot of thing there. I think you're going to hear a lot more about that uh, in the next three months. Yeah, and I actually think that reducing tech debt with Gen AI is such an interesting proposition. And obviously, you know, not everyone agrees, but we have a stance and a point of view that reducing tech debt is really necessary. And I guess it's part of us seeing those transformations, seeing the business agility and the staff productivity when people move their applications to the cloud and modernize their environments. So for me, I just think there's so much potential in that because it can be a difficult or challenging proposition for organizations. And to really start having um, this, this kind of this helper to get this executed in a much faster and productive way, I think is a really interesting, interesting use case for sure. Uh, if you're interested in taking the next step with Gen AI, you can reach out to your AWS team or you can reach out to us at do more with AWS at amazon.com. Danny, thank you so very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, to our customers out there, you can do great things and I look forward to seeing you do them. Go for it. <laughs>